You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's preacher is Pastor Brian Flammy. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear Saints, the new year is a time for resolutions. Now, over the years, I've done a pretty good job of convincing myself that resolutions are pretty silly. <laughs> um, that they're kind of useless, that everybody likes to work on them uh, for a few weeks, give up on them, and then they go through the whole thing the next year. But a wiser man than myself once said that only a cold, arrogant heart refuses the chance to improve. And I think that's right. At the end of 2016, we take stock of the year We look back at our lives and where we've been and what we've done, and what do we find? Perhaps it's good that when we look back, we see nothing but broken resolutions. Now, sure, I guess I'm I'm talking about the kind of resolutions that make you go to the gym for the next few weeks with everybody else (laughs) until you get tired of the crowd and go back home. I'm also talking about the resolutions that have been given to us by the Lord Himself. As Christ baptized, you have been given a new spirit. You have been given new desires to do the things of God, to hear His Word, to obey His commandments, not under compulsion or from fear, but in love. Those are the resolutions that the Lord Himself has given to you. To fear and love and trust in Him above all things, and also to love your neighbor as yourself. And so, when we come to the end of the year, we must ask ourselves, Have I loved the Lord? Have I prayed to Him? Have I done my devotions? Have I gone to church? Have I been faithful to my parents? Have I been faithful as a parent? Have I been obedient to authority, careful to protect my neighbor's income? Have I been chaste of heart and mind and deed? Now, as we look forward to 2017, and in meditating on the law, we realize that our first and most important resolution should be that of repentance, of contrition and faith, sadness over our sins, and trust in what God says about us. We must turn from the sins that have found a way to worm, uh, you know, that have found a, a, a way to worm into our lives, you know, that have infected our actions this past year. But more than that, and more than letting our guilt and our failures terrify our consciences into despair, we should also exercise, we should also exercise ourselves in faith. To realize that every single sin that you have committed this past year has been forgiven by Jesus. That He has covered all of your transgressions and your iniquities and your guilt by His blood. When you think about this new year, 
and you consider how your work of repentance will go, I promise you that you will fall short. But remember that God's promise and the faith that He works in your hearts is stronger than your weakness. Yes, you will fall short, but what of it? Christ won't stop being your Savior. In this faith, we resolve once again that even though it's hard, even though we're going to fall short, yet we will strive with the desires that the Spirit of God Himself has put within us. To love God with a pure heart, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. We will exercise ourselves when we sin in hearing the gospel and trusting in the forgiveness of sins for Christ's sake. The Holy Scriptures that have been appointed for us at the beginning of the new year, the eighth day after the feast of our Lord's Nativity, they tell us about the circumcision and the naming of Jesus. Now, it may seem to us that Luke included these two events almost as an afterthought, but I won't let the short sermon fool you. Here you find your redemption from under the law, and you also find the name, the only name, that saves, that gives comfort, that gives you eternal life. As we look upon this new year, it's good for us to remember this redemption from the law and this name that promises so much. The outline for this sermon is actually quite simple. <laughs> At the end of eight days, when Jesus was circumcised, he was called Jesus. The name by the angel, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So first the circumcision. It happened eight days after he was born, which means it happened in perfect obedience with the covenant that the Lord Himself had established with Abraham. It happened in complete conformity to the law that was given by Moses. The baby Jesus was circumcised. What this also shows us is that Mary and Joseph were God-fearing. They knew the Holy Scriptures. They knew what was required. Now, If Jesus was an ordinary child, stained by the ordinary corruption and sins inherited from his fathers, this circumcision would not be unusual. What it makes it surprising, what makes it really unusual, is that Jesus is the author and the Lord of the law. That Jesus is submitting himself to a sinner's circumcision. He is counted with sinners by being circumcised. Now, circumcision in the Old Testament really teaches two things. Um, first of all, it teaches us that we should fear God. And what I mean by that is, uh, when, we, when we think about what's involved with it, we oftentimes uh, feel, I don't know, it's too gritty, it's, it's uh, I don't know, barbaric or something like that, it's too bloody. I mean, who would do this to a child, this kind of thing? But God reserves in His wisdom and in, in, in his own purposes, why he does this. It's for us to, to hear his word and to marvel, to worship, and to obey, and to consider it, not to fight against it or to argue against it. That being said, we have to also understand huh, that the mark of circumcision taught the corruption that comes from father to son and to children, the corruption that's inherited from Adam and passed on through the generations. 
But it's also a mark and a sign by which Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and all the children of Israel would remember the precious promise that was given to them. That through their flesh would come a Savior. The seed of the woman who would crush the serpent's head. The promise of God that is bound to his word. I mean, the promise of God that is, that is bound to human flesh. So the question is, why would Jesus submit to circumcision? If there was ever anyone who was in the lineage of Abraham who should be exempt from this, you would think it would be Jesus. Yes, in fact, Jesus is exempt from circumcision. But that's not why the Word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. His flesh, his human body, was taken up for this purpose, and that was to stand under the law as a man. You see, the incarnation, the taking on of human flesh by the Son of God, isn't some sort of, I don't know, miracle to be marveled on and sort of uh, exalted for its own sake. It's always to be marveled on and and to be worshipped for the sake of the, the flesh standing underneath the law that the Son of God desired to bear the weight that had crushed the human race, the weight of circumcision that had even uh, crushed all of the Israelites up to that point, the demand of righteousness. And more than merely desiring to stand under the law, to obey the law, Jesus desired also to suffer its punishments. He didn't deserve them, but he wanted them for all the times that sinners had fallen short of the glory of God. All the times you and I have fallen short of fearing and loving and trusting in God and loving our neighbors, Jesus wanted our shortcomings. And that's why he was circumcised. So that when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Dear saints, when you hear the promises of the infant Jesus being circumcised, you're hearing about God himself in human flesh, placing himself under the law to to obey its commands perfectly and to suffer its punishments that he doesn't deserve. In the weakness of our corruption... The law can only crush us because we can't love God and we can't love our neighbor. We just don't have it within us. We don't have the capacity to pull it off. But Jesus can, and he did it for you. This is what it means to be redeemed. That without the law being set aside, without it being thrown out the window... Christ fulfilled it as your substitute, standing in your place. In God's sight, the law's righteousness has been achieved through His Son, through the flesh of His Son, and also His anger against our unrighteousness that has been satisfied. The righteousness of Jesus gained by his perfect obedience to the law 
and his perfect suffering of the law's consequences. How does this come to you? How indeed? St. Paul says this, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. You have put him on. What do you think that means, to put on Christ? It means that the garments that he himself wore for you, the righteousness that he obtained by his perfect obedience, by even submitting to circumcision, by loving his Father in a way and in far beyond you could ever do. The righteousness that he has even obtained for you by washing away the stain of sin that infects your heart, that no cutting of human flesh could ever remove, this righteousness is given to you as a gift in your baptism. You obtain it by faith. The righteousness that comes by the law. This is the righteousness that Jesus has taken totally for himself. And by taking it for himself, it's no longer yours. It's not up to you to to make God happy by doing enough to, to, to keep the commandments. Jesus has already done that for you. Instead, you have the righteousness of faith, of looking at Jesus, of seeing that he has done everything that it takes to be righteous, and then trusting in this righteousness alone. These are the garments of sonship by which you enter the Father's house, by which you obtain the inheritance of heaven. Now, there's a whole second section to the sermon concerning Jesus' name. Uh, And it really deserves to be a sermon in its own right. But this morning, perhaps it's enough to say this. That everything that we just heard about Jesus fulfilling both the law's demands and its punishments, how Jesus has done everything to, to, uh, you know, obtain the righteousness of the law, and he has done everything to wash away your sins, the sins that you have committed against the law, all of this is summed up in one word, in one name. It's summed up in Jesus. It's a one-word sermon. Jesus means, literally, the Lord saves. Think about that for a second. The Lord saves. You don't save yourself. Other human beings don't run to your aid and save you. The Lord himself, your God, saves you. He saves you at the beginning of your spiritual life when you're baptized, be it as a baby or as an adult. What happens when you fall short of the glory of God and continue to sin because of the weakness of your flesh? What happens when the devil comes against you and terrifies you by saying, well, how can you be a Christian? Because look at how much you have sinned so much in 2016. The Lord still saves. What about at the end of your life? When you're looking back over your life and you see and you see the righteousness of Christ mixed with the weakness of your flesh and you begin to despair once again, what then? The name still stands. The Lord saves. He takes the credit. He does all the work from the beginning of your faith to the end of your faith. 
from the beginning of your life to the very end, and even into eternal life. Other people had this name in the past, you know. There was Joshua, you remember, who led the people of Israel, the children of Israel, into Egypt. He saved them from their enemies that were threatening to destroy their bodies, right? He saved them by giving them their own land, just as the Lord had commanded him to do. But Jesus gives you something better. The land of Israel had been, it was lost. The people of Israel lost possession of it. The salvation that Joshua brought could only last for a little while, but the salvation that Jesus gives is eternal. The name that Jesus has wasn't decided on the moment when Mary and Joseph were there and, and, and Jesus was being circumcised and they thought to themselves, oh, Jesus would be a nice name. No. This is an eternal name. A name that was given to them from heaven itself. It is good from the very day it was first promised to Adam and Eve that the Lord himself would save them from their sins. It was good as the patriarchs waited for the seed to come. It was good when Jesus first obtained his name at a circumcision. It is good for you today. The promise will never, will never fail. The name saves you, dear saints. It's not just a reminder of what Jesus has done and what the Lord does to save you. It saves you even as you, as you pray it, as you speak it, as you, as you meditate upon the name in faith, as you hear the name pray, preached to you, which is a summary of the entirety of the Holy Scriptures. It saves you. The Lord promises us that he puts his name on us. So in the Aaronic benediction, which you heard from Deuteronomy, where the Lord puts his name, there he blesses. Where the Lord puts his name, there he saves. The Lord Jesus has placed his name upon your foreheads. You are saved. This is your confidence, and this is your comfort this year. It has less to do about meditating on your own resolutions, but on meditating on the fulfilled resolution of our God to save sinners for Christ's sake. This is what we cling to with faith and in joy. And this, in fact, is how the circumcision of our hearts takes place. That we actually begin to keep the law in true love, not from compulsion or fear, but in freedom as sons who have been adopted into God's house by Christ's righteousness, who have obtained his name. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope.